A special thanks goes out to the folks at Anchor.fm for bringing you this podcast. Coming to you almost live from our studios in New York, this is Tom Reads Your Story. Stay tuned for readings from social media and other spoken word projects. Join me right now. I'm your host, voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. Hello and welcome, everyone. I'm Tom Zania. We'll have your words from social media and much more right after these important announcements. Archie Johnson thought he was prepared to meet his death in the electric chair. The sentence had been read. He had had his last meal, and the prison chaplain had asked God to have mercy on his soul. Then, just as they were strapping him into the chair, he suddenly realized there were a few things he wanted to do before he left this earth. This is Archie's story. Join two masters of the old-fashioned short story, with writing by John Isaac Jones and narration by Tom Zania. Going Home by John Isaac Jones. Listen to this great book from Audible.com. Do you need a good professional sound for your podcast? I'm Tom Zania voice actor and podcast host of Tom Reads Your Story. I can give you the sound you're looking for for your podcast intros and advertisements at the price and turnaround you need. So don't hesitate and send me a message at TomReadYourStory at Yahoo.com. And we are back. Welcome back, all of you regular listeners and you new folks. My name is Tom. <laughs> Tom Zania. At Tom Reads Your Story. Now, since you're here, if you're here for the first time, welcome. Uh, I think you'll like what we have to offer here. And uh, it's it's something to look forward to every week and you can listen to it. It doesn't cost anything. Um, you don't have to fill out a form online or anything like that. It's just me saying, hey, I'm out there. This is what I do. This is how you can be a part of it. Okay, that's it. That's, that's, that's it. And uh, I hope you like it. If you don't, that's fine. Um, but... Uh, today, what do we have? Well, last week, as you know, uh, there wasn't a whole lot going on, and I kind of winged it. Uh, I want to keep some of that spirit through the rest of my podcast events. <laughs> I mean, not exactly the same thing, but just that sense of flying by the seat of my pants, yet still having some control. Uh, it can be 
it can be really kind of tough when you think about what you have to do during the week and then say, gee, not only do I have to do all this stuff, I got to put my podcast together and this is how I do it. And this is the routine I follow for my podcast and blah, blah, blah. And I just need to pull it back a little bit and chill and just let the, uh, let the show happen or let the, let the cards fall as they may, I guess that's what you would say. But today, I just I want to say this. I'm so glad that the Tonys were on, even though, even though I had no idea that they were going to be on this past Sunday, I think it was. No idea. I'm so used to, it's usually watching the show, usually from Radio City, and it's usually in June. Am I right? I think it's usually the first weekend of June or something like that. And so hearing everybody say, oh, the Tonys are on, I'm like, huh? (laughs) What do you mean the Tonys are on? And uh, I didn't see it. I did not see it. Uh, I'm used to always watching it every year, but I didn't see it this time. It was on one of those many streaming channels. Uh, so I, um, I did not get around to it. I did see clips. No, I saw one clip, excuse me, of Stokes and, and Audra McDonald doing wheels of a dream from probably my top five, one of my top five Broadway shows, ragtime wheels of a dream is of course, an advertisement for the producers of Ragtime, which is Ford. <laughs> I don't, I shouldn't say that. It's a great number. It is a terrific number. And hearing it sung again so many years later and sung really, really well. I didn't, you know, not that, not that these two aren't terrific, but I didn't expect it to be as, as, polished and sounding as good. And it did. And I was totally knocked out by that performance. I have not as of yet seen other clips from the recent Tony's, uh, the recent Tony telecast of which I hear was very, very good. Uh, But I'm sure I will. I'm sure they've clipped out a lot of stuff that's on YouTube Uh, that I will get to as time permits. And uh, we have a review today from Variety of the Tony telecast. And here it is. Tony's review. Broadway's back, finally, with a pitch-perfect, inclusive celebration of theater. By Clayton Davis. Variety. September 26, 2021. The Tonys deserve to win multiple Emmys next year. A night married with celebration, inclusivity, and in what can only be described as the realization that Jesus Christ returned to save us all in the form of Jennifer Holliday. It was a sensational award ceremony that may have offered all the critical clues to constructing a new age of honoring top achievements in entertainment. 
18 months and a global pandemic later, the American Theatre Wing's 74th Annual Tony Awards were presented in two parts. The first half, hosted by Tony Award winner Audra McDonald, who has the record for the most performance wins with six, revealed winners in all but three categories exclusively on Paramount Plus in a two-hour ceremony. The following two hours were helmed by Tony Award winner Leslie Odom, Jr. for the Tony Awards present Broadway's Back, which featured performances and the live presentation of the final three awards, Best Play, Best Revival of a Play, and Best Musical. You can't stop the beat of Broadway, said MacDonald, following a joyful rendition of one of the marquee numbers from Hairspray, with members of the original cast, including Marissa Janet Winoker, Matthew Morrison, Carrie Butler, Chester Gregory, and Darlene Love. No Harvey Firestein was probably the only disappointment from the evening. We're a little late, but we are here. Tonight feels like a homecoming. Indeed, it was. It took a near extinction of our beloved Broadway not only to have us appreciate the value of live theater, but to provide its other three prestigious counterparts in the entertainment space. Oscars, Emmys, and Grammys. A near flawless and detailed blueprint on how they should assemble their future ceremonies to bring forth an inviting place for people of all backgrounds and an impeccable pace to keep your attention. Of course, film and television might make most of the headlines. Still, the soul of acting and the arts were in the corridors of the famous theater that's housed notable productions such as 42nd Street, Mamma Mia, and the upcoming revival of The Music Man in 2022. The show's producers ensured the evening was playful and yet always sincere and optimistic. Masks and inclusivity were the theme of the evening as MacDonald spoke passionately in her opening monologue, referencing the 560 dark nights that Broadway endured since the beginning of the pandemic, leading to its long-awaited reopening of many shows that began early last week. Odom Jr. kicked off his portion with an original number, highlighting how this large group was able to gather. Masks and vaccinations, even with lyrics in the song like, We gotta ask that you wear that mask until everything feels right. Because it's no great labor to care about your neighbor when Broadway's back tonight. He kept assuring any naysayers watching from home, Everyone here is masked, vaxxed, and tested, and this is what theaters will look like for a while. From joyous moments and musical renditions that included performances from Josh Groban, Lin-Manuel Miranda, John Legend, Anika Noni Rose, Norm Lewis, Kelly O'Hara, among the others, the producers and creative artisans captured all the magic of the nominated musicals, Jagged Little Pill, Moulin Rouge, and Tina. The respect and brevity taken by the show's producers during the In Memoriam segment reminded us of the countless losses this past year that included Nick Cordero, Olympia Dukakis, Cecily Tyson, Rip Torn, and more. 
was almost too emotional to bear at times. So the decision to linger on the additional names projected on the curtain was appropriate and respectful. The winner's speeches were particularly thoughtful. Suppose you're someone who feels the arts are criminally lacking and underfunded in our world, especially in communities of color. In that case, many of those moments may have struck an emotional chord. For example, after seeing The Inheritance pick up the award for best play, playwright Matthew Lopez called on Broadway to tell more Latino stories. We have so many stories to tell. They are inside us aching to come out, he said during his speech. A new Annenberg Inclusion Initiative study showing Latinos are still not represented will hopefully shine a light on this absence. Bringing the house down was the penultimate performances and reuniting of For Good from Wicked stars Kristen Chenoweth and Adina Menzel. What You Own from Rent stars Adam Pascal and Andrew Rapp, and Wheels of a Dream from Ragtime stars McDonald and Brian Stokes Mitchell. My heart was too full to handle it all. Minor technical glitches popped up throughout, such as Odom Jr. coming back from break for the final performance of the evening. The Tonys were pure, not shy about the times we were in, and they sent a signal of hope for our futures. The world is not so dark. And when you have the people you love by your side, an excellent show tune can make the day a little brighter. A glowing, glowing review from the folks at Variety of the recent Tony Awards. And like I said, I need to see clips of that because I totally missed it. Uh, I, I I was reading stuff on Facebook and everyone was saying, where do I find the Tony Awards? Where are they broadcasting? I didn't know it was going to be on. Well, I didn't either. And uh, I'm one who always likes to watch it because I don't see that many shows on Broadway, as, of course, many people don't either. And when they say, uh, you know, these are the shows, these are the nominees, it teaches me a little bit about what's out there and what people are seeing or not seeing. So, yeah, definitely uh, I want to check that out. The, um, the thing about the Tonys is it always makes me think about those persons who are making speeches and what their lives were like from square one, square one of pursuing this uh, tremendously difficult choice in life. The pursuing of a career in the theater in particular. Or in films or in TV. But, I'm, uh, you know, I'm mostly talking here about the theater and Broadway. And, you know, those people went through a lot of stress and and good times and learning. And, and I, I have always said before, the people that I know 
who have careers regularly on Broadway and in TV and films didn't struggle for years and years to get there. None of them did. Did The people that I know that got to the top of the ladder and are, are staying up there, and I'm not saying it's easy to stay up there. I'm just saying the people that are working regularly that I know of, and it's a decent handful. I mean, it's not a ton of people, but it's a decent handful of people. Uh, those people took less than five years to get to where they are. All right. There are many people, including myself, who have been there or here in New York a lot longer. So it made me think of a book that I narrated a while back about a terrific actor who, I'm sorry, who was a terrific actor. He died a number of years ago. But his his name is Jeff Corey. And I've talked about Jeff uh, several times uh, in the past I don't know, year or so and what his story was. He was an actor who uh, went to an acting school as a, a very young man in Brooklyn and set out for Hollywood and really had a career going until the McCarthy era in the 50s, and he was blacklisted and had to figure out what to do since he could not work in films or television if it was around then. And he became one of the... I don't know, most famous or most renowned acting teachers in Hollywood. He taught many, many big stars, people out there, and, and those who are not or were not big stars. And he became a terrific acting teacher. And one of his students was Leonard Nimoy. Now, Nimoy, as you know, uh, was Mr. Spock on Star Trek. And a number of other parts. He used to do uh, some regular stuff on Mission Impossible when it first came out. And he was in a number of other things on TV. He was a regular working actor. And he was a student of Jeff Corey and became a teacher for Jeff's acting classes. I'm going to play for you the foreword of the book that I narrated. And that book was, of course, Improvising Out Loud, My Life Teaching Hollywood How to Act. Nimoy, Leonard Nimoy, does the foreword for this, and I want you to hear it. Forward. You should take an acting class. I hated hearing that, hated it. I heard it a number of times from colleagues and occasionally directors. To me, it was insulting. I was an experienced actor, a member of all the actors' guilds and unions. I'd been on stages since I was eight years old and even played the title role in a small boxing film in which I was well-reviewed. 
I was in my late twenties when I began hearing this advice. Was I to walk into a class with others, even beginners, and pay money to be told things I already knew? After two years away in the army, now married and father of my first child and expecting my second, I was picking up the thin threads of my career in Hollywood. The roles were often frustratingly small, but I was considered professional and dependable, a solid young character actor who could deliver the dialogue. But something new was stirring. Marlon Brando had established a new level of work, and it was exciting. Other actors were following in kind, and I could see it happening. We were watching actors whose work I admired but didn't understand. What were they doing that I couldn't or didn't know how to do? How did this work differ from that which I recognized and could duplicate? These performances had an inner life. They simmered. Jeff Corey was the name that came up repeatedly in actors' discussions about teachers. I decided to swallow my pride and made the call. Jeff gave me an appointment for an interview. On the day I arrived outside his studio, I was joined by several others. One by one, we went in for a brief session. My turn came. Jeff invited me to sit. He had a yellow pad for notes. He quickly asked one question. Have you done much acting? This was something of a relief, since I now had a chance to establish my credentials. I thought it went well. He told me he would be in touch. He was starting a new class, and I would be considered. He was formidable, authoritative, and kind. Within a couple of days, I was called and told to be in class on the next Thursday morning at 10 o'clock. The class was held in a small proscenium theater in Hollywood. There were approximately 20 students, balanced between males and females. The exercise at this session was designed to explore the inner monologue of a character in a dramatic situation. Given a brief plot idea, students were asked to verbalize their thought process as the character. A young couple got up to work, and I was appalled. They stood in a faraway corner of the stage and mumbled. I could hardly see them and could not understand a word they said. When they were done, Jeff asked them to describe their experience. It wasn't a profound presentation. At the break, I told Jeff I was disturbed by what I had seen. I complained about the lack of form and style. Jeff said, I cannot be held responsible for everything that happens in a class. I thought, fair enough. Let's back off and give this thing a chance. When my turn came, I was asked to do the inner monologue of a man who was a short-order cook in a Greasy Spoon restaurant and hated his job. I thought I did okay, and Jeff was complimentary. The following week, I was very sick with a bad cold, but decided I would go to class lest Jeff think I was a flake. When I got there, he approached me and said, George Bernard Shaw describes style as the way to do a thing in order that it be done best. I was impressed. He had taken the trouble to reflect on my concern. I came to Jeff's class with a carpenter's tools. I had a solid basis of craft. Now, for the first time, I was exposed to the art of acting, to the concepts of theme, subtext, and character building. How does this character find his way in the world? What is he seeking in this scene that is not revealed in the dialogue? 
What is his social class? How does he help express or argue the theme of the play? What would he say if he decided to speak only his deepest truth? When he says, I love you, is he being sincere or manipulative, ironic, sarcastic, or comic? Given the tools I came with, I was able to quickly apply what I was being given, and my work grew. In a short time, Jeff moved me to an evening class in which there was thrilling work being done. His insights and suggestions were incisive and often electrifying. His comments were stimulating and never mean. His classes were a laboratory exploring an art form. Class was something I looked forward to and worked hard to make a contribution to. Vic Morrow was a fellow student in the Tuesday night class. He was preparing to direct a play called Death Watch by Jean Genet. On the basis of the work Vic saw me do in class, he offered me one of the three major roles. Genet was considered a literary genius in France. His work was much talked about, but had never been produced in Los Angeles. The Hollywood community was interested and came to see the play. There were producers, directors, and casting agents in the audience every night. I began working regularly in better and more rewarding roles. When the blacklist broke and Jeff began working in films, he hired me to teach classes in his absence. I did that for two years and then established my own studio, where I taught until the Star Trek series was sold and I no longer had the time. I came alive as an actor under Jeff's guidance. So much is owed to him by so many like me. I'm so glad I put aside my ego and went to his class. Leonard Nimoy And of course, that was the foreword from the book I just mentioned, Improvising Out Loud, My Life Teaching Hollywood How to Act by Jeff Corey and his daughter, Emily. It's a terrific book. It's the most detailed work I've ever done uh, in an audiobook. And as far as I'm concerned, I should get an award for it, <laughs> for it because I did so many characters in it well-known people. Um, so if you like audible.com, get over to that book, Improvising Out Loud, My Life Teaching Hollywood How to Act. And uh, the foreword is, was, of course, uh, Leonard, Nimoy's, Leonard Nimoy's writing um, about becoming a student for Jeff Corey, which... Many of these people who gave speeches on the Tony Awards also did. And they didn't study with Jeff Corey, probably, but they studied with someone. And uh, it's so important to be prepared as an actor to, uh, to get out there and, and uh, study your craft. The... Um, the show today has come to an end, and it's another episode of Tom Reed's story for the history books. Portions were pre-recorded. Tell your friends if you enjoyed your visit today, because we are always looking for new ones. Thanks, Anchor.fm, for the opportunity 
I greatly appreciate it. Until next time, keep posting, everyone. Bye now. This is Tom Zania. For more information on my availability for your e-learning, commercial, or audiobook project, visit my website at www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. We hope you visit us again real soon for another episode of Tom Reads Your Story.